Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Good morning. This is the open door, open to the Spirit's inspiration, open to our decidedly human reflection, and open to all of those who would like to join us. This morning we have Dr. Rhonda Sherman. Well, good morning. Good morning indeed. This is the open door. Open to God's inspiration. Open, it seems, to the bells of that inspiration. And open to our human reflection. And open to all visitors who would like to join us, and you are cordially invited. This morning, we have Dr. Rhonda Shervin, a professor of philosophy, Catholic writer, and radio, radio presence par excellence here on WCAT. <laughs> and we have, again with us, and we're very appreciative, Desmond Silvera, a member of the National Committee of the American Solidarity Party. And it may be that we'll have others join us as we move forward. Today, our agenda, and this has been the case for the past several weeks, is uh, examining a, a plank, a plank a week. We walk the plank every week a plank every week from the American Solidarity Party. Uh, this week the plank is titled Civic Engagement. And uh, it's a plank that directly connects with a, a problem that the Solidarity Party is dealing with right now. How to widen civic engagement and how, how to widen civic engagement to a, a richer presence of political parties rather than the grim hegemony, to borrow a word that I don't much like, of Republicans and Democrats and uh, that ilk. But uh, Dr. Shervin has always encouraged us to deal with specifics and particulars. And she's asked in particular that we propose, uh, not playfully, but seriously, that we propose uh, a specific law, both on the uh, state level and the national level, that the party would support, and perhaps a variation on that law might be uh, a law that the party would propose uh, once we gain the microphone in the public forum. And, and then, too, uh, in with the new, out with the old, we're going to consider a law, again, both at the state level and at the national level, that the party would want to eliminate some of our older auditors, some from a more mature generation, indeed some from what has been called the great generation. Uh, perhaps remember a cartoon strip uh, that was titled, There Ought to Be a Law. And uh, uh, there were a number of proposals, and, and a number of people who commented in 
and contributed because it was a reader contribution based uh, cartoon strip uh, would sometimes say there ought not to be a law uh, but we're going to be more serious than the cartoon strip and so I'll let me begin and I'll make my contribution brief and pithy just for those who think no doubt there are few and far between that the American Solidarity Party doesn't appreciate what's done in the mainstream however polluted the mainstream might be there was a law signed signed in officially signed and sealed within the last day or two by Governor Jerry Brown and so often his name elicits a frown but Governor Brown signed in a bill that's called a kind of a Good Samaritan bill and it's a bill that frees the way for corporations of various uh, sorts and I'm thinking particularly of Starbucks to make available to food banks and other organizations of that sort uh, make available uh, their products that that haven't been sold in a timely fashion and maybe even haven't been sold in a timely fashion plus a day or two it's called a kind of a good Samaritan law in that the people who would be using this this food in order to help meet the needs of people who, who really need it uh, that, that the whole process would be facilitated nobody would be suing anybody in case some untimely mold developed on a croissant and that's an example of freeing up business in order to help very very local very definitely local groups meet very very specific needs and this caught my eye because for for many years uh, my wife Elizabeth was able to bring from Starbucks if she got there fast enough uh, 12 hours wait would make it 12 hours too late if she got there fast enough she could take their uh, uh, extra bakery products and bring them to the Missionary Brothers of Charity in the famous Pico Union area of Los Angeles so that's a bill I'd be enthusiastic about and what what you want to say hmm. I love okay, I'm thinking if the Democratic Party which has all this clout through Jerry Brown can do such a thing what is distinctive that no Democrat would do that we are doing in the American Solidarity Party and the most obvious thing is being anti-abortion and wanting a law against abortion so I'm delighted that Jerry Brown is doing pushed through this bill because I have a big sense of social justice and I hate waste and so I think this is an absolutely wonderful bill but it raises the question are there any things besides abortion that or maybe euthanasia that are characteristic of our party the American Solidarity Party that the Democrats wouldn't do see right away Rhonda's asking a pointed question Sebastian do you have a quick reply well here's another possibility unless you had that quick reply uh, this is Desmond um, I don't have a I'm sorry Desmond golly <laughs> I, I don't have a quick reply but uh, that's a tough one Rhonda because uh, everything that jumps out to me is obviously life related did, did you have something that you had in mind um, no I didn't but I mean I, th I think 
All right. Well, it just so happens. I wanted to I... just hear what you would say. It just so happens, uh, Desmond, I, I can't move you up to Sebastian, the producer's place, at least not yet. Uh, it just so happens that Ross Heckman, uh, another California Solidarity Party stalwart, has helped us to see <coughs> and get a background uh, on the tortured question of water distribution in the state of California. So we're, we're thinking statewide here. And ordinarily, the, the block is between the big cities controlled by Democrats and the, 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 the countryside, or the agricultural areas in which Republicans are alive and well. And usually what this leads to is an impasse in water distribution. Now what the American Solidarity Party could do and what Ross Heckman is encouraging us to do, and he has very detailed proposals that he examines, it seems on an almost daily basis on the Facebook page of the Solidarity Party, ways to uh, break that impasse by suggesting very practical, very specific procedures to make water available, uh, beginning with, parallel with we need food, every one of us every day, making water available to some areas of California that, that still don't have access to fresh water. It has to be trucked in. Now, I can't go into particulars on this aquatic front, but I know that instead of having Block A cities versus Block B uh, agricultural corporations, we can have on-the-ground people who can appreciate the needs of specific communities to have fresh water. We can do some legwork, and Heckman has been doing some legwork and make specific proposals. That would be uh, an area in which we could serve as a uh, um, uh, catalysts. That sounds like a good one. Uh, in, in you mentioning that, that does jar my memory. There are plenty of areas in the American Solidarity Party where we advocate for things that neither the Republicans nor the Democrats uh, are would advocate for, um, and I guess the, the the most obvious one outside of the life issues is um, reform of the um, of our voting processes. Um, I, I think we're going to touch more on that during the rest of our conversation for the hour, so I, I won't get too deep into that one, but one of the laws that I think, my, me personally, and I think it would jive with the values of the party, um, would propose is rep uh, not an increase of taxes, but a replacement of taxes, replacing income taxes with, uh, with environmental taxes. So as uh, people consume natural resources, uh, they, the, the tax would be levied at the, the point of consumption and displace uh, some of the income taxes that people pay. I'm, I'm not sure if, how widely favored that might be, but um, it's something that I would support. What would be a particular point of consumption, Desmond? So, uh, for, exa uh, for example, I, uh, logging or marine fishing or um, uh, I'm not sure if we have much mining over here in California, at least not anymore, but, but mining, um, uh, the extraction of uh, of fresh water, um, 
What about logging in Northern California? I did say logging, yes. Yeah, that would be um, that would, stuff like that. It would, it would certainly increase the, the costs of goods, but I think by, display, but, but by putting uh, a tax on the natural resources, they would be used uh, more wisely and um, and by decreasing income taxes, there's less of a disincentive to for uh, for productivity. I I I know a lot of people are against the the gas tax that's being uh, proposed. I I personally am in favor of it. That had come to mind, too, and Rhonda, I haven't forgotten that you're about to, to enter this discussion, but uh, specifically on the gasoline tax, there is a commentator who is oftentimes thoughtful and who from time to time is mentioned in discussions by the Solidarity Party, uh, David Brooks, who has a regular column in the New York Times. Now my beef with, with uh, Brooks is that when the going gets serious, he turns to sociology, <laughs> which, which in my mind is a huge mistake. But uh, he, has, he has oftentimes said that American foreign policy can be carried out uh, by major parties and the, the wide range of, of people ignore what's going on because it doesn't have any visible immediate effect on them. So he has proposed increasing taxes on gasoline precisely to offset the costs of very often interventionist uh, foreign policy measures so that people know what's going on uh, because it has a direct effect on their at least weekly lives and because they'll have to think about why these taxes are, are going up on gas. Well, they're going up on gas because of what we're doing in the Middle East. Now, do we really want to do that? And this is a way to lead people to think long and hard rather than to allow the whole thing to be dealt with in Washington by either the Republicans or the Democrats. Now, Rhonda, I filibustered. I'm sorry. Yes. No, I just got a fantastic idea. Okay, now it relates to caring for your elderly members of your party. There must be others like me, I'm 80 years old, who don't do Facebook because we can't figure it out. So, I mean, we can't figure out how to do it without getting 50 emails, a day, 50 Facebooks a day of people who will feel offended if we don't tell them we're glad they had ice cream last night. <laughs> so, so, okay, so um, people like us, what I would love is if the party had the resources to tell us in every election how we should vote as a member of this party because there are people like me who aren't particularly politically savvy at all, but we want to vote in line with the principles of the American Solidarity Party. So in the next election that I could vote in here in Corpus Christi, I don't have American Solidarity. We don't have a group here in Corpus Christi yet. I don't drive. I can't go to Houston or San Antonio to meet people. Okay, so um, if I could know, in line with American solidarity principles, this is how we suggest you vote on these measures, I would be ecstatic because my vote could count. Aha, excellent proposal. Uh, there are voters' guides uh, uh, plenty here in, in Los Angeles. I get voters' guides from several different groups. And right, so there could that. be one from the Solidarity Party. I would be glad to pay the postage, or it could come if it could come on an email, which I do, but yes. I, rather than on Facebook. 
Well, perhaps you and, and thinking of the, the cutting edge of mature leadership, perhaps you <laughs> and Archbishop Cressida could could form the group that would do that. Well, I don't think Cressida is, <laughs> is. I don't think Archbishop Cressida is in the party. I think he would be Republican, wouldn't he? Well, it's up to you to lure him <laughs> away. No, I mentioned it to him actually. Ah, and what was his response? I, I'm a Republican. Don't mess with me. No, no, no. He didn't. Re I think I just meant. I only met him twice, but I'm meeting uh, him next week. All right. But I mentioned. I mentioned the party. Uh huh. Yeah, and he didn't say it. I, I can't, well, I, I'm 80 years old. I can't remember if he said anything. Well, see, I, I know for a fact. I know for a fact, Dr. Shervin, that you carry with you wherever you go a notebook to jot down pertinent facts and points, and you could take this with you when you meet okay. Grosseta. Oh, okay. I'll think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have big things to talk about, like the dissolution. Oh, the future of the country isn't a big thing. <laughs> no, no, no. The future of the church. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do indeed. I do indeed. Yeah, and I only have half an hour, so. But in any case, but however you see this thing, it would be good if people. This would be a really practical thing to help us vote for particular measures in our areas that are important. I think very. Even if you just sent us something that said this is the most important bill being, this is the most important thing on the ballot in your area. Mm -hmm. And this is what we think, why you should vote, we think you should vote this way. Because what I usually do is I just give the ballot to a friend of mine, wherever I'm living, who's politically savvy and say, you check the boxes because I don't know anything. You know, but since this, this woman who does this for me, did this for me in Connecticut, is an arch-conservative Republican, I don't want to ask her. I want to ask my American solidarity friends. Is she the one that's offended if you don't say your ice cream looked pretty good? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sebastian, could, could we... I'm sorry, I'll cut my tongue off. It's because I've got his name in front of me on this here uh, computer screen. Desmond. Could we do something like that in California? I, I know that uh, at the last election, we, we certainly discussed all that. I'm, I'm not a part of the state committee, but as a chapter, we discussed what should we endorse and what, should, what we should not endorse. And uh, because we were pretty small at that point, I think we didn't end up emailing anyone. But I think that it, it's got to be a certainty that something like that would happen uh, at the next election, um, we've grown quite a bit, and we're much more savvy about, um, you know, how things should take place. So I, I think it's, it's a given. It, it would be up for each um, state chapter or, or local chapter to have their own voters' guide. Uh, we at the National uh, Party wouldn't force that upon any state. And, and we don't obviously don't know the laws of that are being proposed in each locality. But uh, so with Dr. Ronda, I, I think that that would depend on the Texas chapter. But they're a very large, vibrant chapter as well. So I would think that they'd have a voter's guide that they email out to people. Just here in Southern California, I have a email list of maybe 50 or 60 people who are either in the party or have shown interest in the party. And it would be the easiest thing in the world to put together an email voting guide for local questions. Well, okay, if someone, if, if, you, if you, Jim, or you, Desmond, could mention this to the Texas people, that would be wonderful. I, I suppose I'm on their list, but you see, Texas is huge, so 
It's not as if San Antonio is just like an hour away from Corpus Christi or something. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll, I'll certainly mention it. I, I think uh, a lot of the leadership is over in the Houston area, so uh, I agree that it may not be super convenient for you. Uh, but but I'll, I'll mention it, and, and I think that they would likely go, go along with that idea. This is a bit of an extrapolation, but Desmond is emphasizing how this would be something done at the local level and that the National Committee wouldn't uh, impose an agenda. I was struck by uh, the language that was used, and here comes the extrapolation. The language that was used uh, with respect to the same-sex marriage vote in Germany, and that's not so very long ago, it was approved. Angela Merkel, who was a member of a Christian Democratic Party, opposed it, even though the proposal was at the national level accepted, uh, spoke about how people uh, in the party were free to vote their conscience. And I thought, what kind of a party would you ever belong to in which you weren't free to vote your conscience? It's like on certain things we allow people to have a conscience, and other matters we don't allow them to have a conscience. <laughs> I think this is an abuse of the, the, the term conscience. And, and it, it has bearing, widespread bearing, I mean it's reflective in so many ways. One way is that uh, the American Medical Association, various subgroups, subcommittees and so forth, have even attempted to define conscience and the, the definitions of conscience that they propose are, are pretty much this. Uh, one's deeply held convictions which if uh, acted against would, would, would lead one to have a lower self-esteem. <laughs> so the whole, whole idea of conscience is utterly subjectivized. It, it has no connection with the demands of an objective moral law. And so it is here, you have Merkel saying on this, people should be free to vote their conscience. Well, we make people feel really bad if we require them to vote this way. That's the translation. <laughs> ah, well. Ah, well, could, could, we, could we move uh, to the national level uh, a law to propose uh, or a law to... Uh, eliminate at the national level, uh, would it be possible to do this without direct reference to uh, life issues, for examples? Okay, my situation is this. I have to go to my parish today, and I figured I would sit in one of the room's offices that no one's in, but since the parish festival is tomorrow, this room is filled with toys and people coming in and out bringing toys to sell at the festival. So I said, well, I'll go outside. So going outside, first there's the bells at 10 o'clock, the church bells, then comes the motor, the um, lawn mowers all over the grounds of the parish. So now I've just moved to this garage. So is the reception okay? Yes. Okay. I hear you loud and clear. So I am sacrificing for the party. <laughs> well, you could put that on the list of things I've done for the party today. If only you would get cool and go on to the Facebook, you could list that. <laughs> Sebastian, a national uh, law Desmond. to introduce. Desmond. Oh my gosh! Three <laughs> times that I'm out. Three times that I'm out. I never did this before. That's supposed to show you that old 
old dogs can forget old tricks. <laughs> uh, national. Um, other than life. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure it would necessarily be a law, but I think at the national level we should adjust our um, our attitudes and our willingness to enter war. Uh, I think we go into war much more freely than we should. Um, but oh, I'm just a minute. Sure. A car is just driving into the garage. <laughs> I'm trying to do this radio show. So, it's okay. What? what was that, the man in the street that just came just by? A just a minute. I'm going to get off for a minute. Gentle auditors, you see that, that this, no, this no, no, show no, comes to you from, from local levels and from various facilities, and that just shows you the adaptiveness of the American Solidarity Party. Uh, Desmond is suggesting rightly, oh how rightly, that we should be wary indeed and exceedingly deliberate before entering any kind of, of war. And perhaps in a case like this, what we might do is really insist on uh, the role of Congress in, yes. in, in uh, having its, its say about any kind of military intervention. Uh, oftentimes there are laws that are on the books that are good laws that are, are pretty much routinely uh, ignored. And that would be a case in point. I agree. So it, maybe instead of adding a new law, that it would just be the adherence to the existing law that Congress should be uh, the one to declare war instead of uh, the, the president unilaterally uh, going out on his own. Well, certainly that whole area should be examined very closely, and that's something the party would want to examine very closely. Well, how, how about if uh, we, we turn now to the actual language of the civic engagement plank of the platform? I think our discussion already has set the stage for this uh, very well. But I'll begin, and I'll begin as usual with the uh, couple sentence long introduction to the, the plank, and then we can move ahead to specifics. Civic engagement. The American Solidarity Party calls for the reform of electoral laws at every level of government in order to encourage voter participation by all citizens. We believe that the current system disenfranchises third parties, that's us, and those they represent through systemic legal and procedural measures that favor and uphold a two-party system. So what do we have? The American Solidarity Party calls for the reform of electoral laws at every level of government in order to encourage voter participation by all citizens. We believe that the current system disenfranchises third parties and those they represent through systemic, legal, and procedural measures that favor and uphold a two-party system. Well, this calls our attention to across-the-board voter participation, but it also calls our attention directly to the need to free up the system so that third parties can, can begin to have a, a real say. Now, for the particulars, we therefore support, and we have six items. Item number one. And this, I think, is something that most people haven't thought about at all. Alternative methods of voting in primaries and elections in order to make governing bodies more accurately reflect broad candidate choice. 
Well, what would that be? These include, but are not limited to, approval voting, range voting, ranked choice voting, and instant runoffs. Rhonda, should we ask Desmond to explain those alternative approaches? Yeah, perhaps. I, I've never heard of any of them. All right. I vaguely heard of some of them when I first read the, the platform back in the day. Back in the day when the fellow who's now holding forth uh, was elected. So start with approval voting, Desmond. Sure. I'd love to. I, this is something I'm very enthusiastic about. So um, I could talk for an hour on this stuff. If I get too long-winded, um, certainly uh, rein me in. <laughs> but uh, our, right. our, current, Hit it. Our, <laughs> our current voting system is called plurality voting. That's where each voter gets to vote for one of the options, one of the candidates. And the, the problem with that is that um, it's, it's uh, uh, universally considered one of the worst voting systems. It's, it's an ancient vote, voting system. Uh, there are much better ones that more, accu more accurately reflect um, the, the will of the voters. Um, with, when you vote for a single candidate, there uh, you're, it, you're, it allows for the splitting of a vote. So let's say we go back to um, one of the old elections where there was, I think it was Bush and, Clint, uh, Bush and um, Clinton and Nader. If a person really wanted to vote for Nader and they thought that um, he was the best candidate, they would know that he has no chance of winning. So, oh, this is wonderful, Desmond. This is wonderful. Exactly. Yeah, so, so they would have to vote for um, uh, Clinton. But uh, with approval voting, that's, that's a, a different system where each voter gets to vote for as many candidates as they want. So um, that eliminates the, the potential to split the vote. In approval voting, a voter would be able to vote for both Nader and Clinton. They both get a, a, a point counted towards them, and there's no vote splitting at all. Um, and in our past election, there were plenty of candidates, both at the primary, well, mostly at the primary level, um, the voter would be able to, to vote for as many as they, as they liked. Uh, no vote splitting, and even uh, candidates that had a low chance of winning could get a vote counted for them. Range voting is very similar to approval voting, except it goes into more detail. Um, for each candidate, you give them a score, and is it range voting is sometimes called score voting as well. The, uh, the range of scores is uh, pretty arbitrary. You can do 1 to 5 or 1 to 10 or 1 to 100 or 0 to 100. The range isn't particularly important. It's that um, each candidate can be scored depending on how well you like them. And then the points... The, for each candidate are all added up, and the one with the most points wins the election. Uh, it, it may sound a little bit um, slightly uh, complicated, but it's really not that complicated. It's very similar to how you would rate products on Amazon or rate movies. It, think of it as the, the five-star rating where you're, you're giving the options a score, and the, the highest average wins. That's helpful. Um, ranked choice is where instead of uh, giving each candidate a score, 
you're giving each one a rank. So you've got your first choice, second choice, third choice, etc. Um, it's a much better system than our plurality. It's not my favorite though because it uh, the so within each voting system there's the vote casting process and there's the vote tallying process and with the ranked choice um, the vote casting process is pretty simple first second third fourth fifth etc the vote tallying process gets uh, much more complicated you can't determine the winner until all the votes have been accounted for uh, so you can't uh, say well this district went that way you, you don't get um, election results earlier on in the process you've got to wait for the very last vote to come in before any of the votes mean anything um, that's a to me a big de disadvantage of ranked choice but um, it's still much better than our current pl broken plurality system instant runoffs are uh, are basically the same as uh, ranked choice uh, in the voting process you're ranking your choices but uh, the way it works is um, and it has the same disadvantages but the way that it works is that once all of the candidates are ranked, the uh, it, it, each each candidate gets uh, a, a vote based on the voter's first choice. The person with the least amount of votes then uh, gets removed from the consideration and anyone that voted for that person his uh, vote isn't thrown away but then his second vote gets counted and it gets repeated automatically it's a little bit more complicated it would be much easier to see on paper but um, Again, it's 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 a much better system than what we have. It's not, in my in my, in my opinion, it's not as good as either approval or range voting. Okay, now this is just for primaries or also for the final elections. This is for both, but for both. Okay, see, this would be fantastic because many people. I mean, the big argument against voting for a third party is that then. The worst candidate gets in. You're giving, you're really giving a vote to the wor the candidate you hate the most. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's such a big argument for many people that uh, this this would obviate that difficulty. Yes. So another advantage of these systems is that, uh, well, I said it can be used in primaries and and the general election, but with a system like this, you don't need primaries it's an unnecessary step because everyone can go head to head against each other in a general election and ah very good and you don't need to filter any people away oh I see so I can vote for Jim first if I move back to California I go for Jim and then I can vote for Desmond also exactly yeah yeah but Desmond is running and Jim isn't He's fleeing. <laughs> Desmond runs. Oh, you're not you're running please. because you're not running because I'm not there to nag you along. Oh, <laughs> that's the only reason. <laughs> Why, so, Jim? What, what do you think? Do you think you're ready to be lieutenant governor? <laughs> I, I, I'm a kind of adjunct type. Uh huh. Now, Desmond. I think this is something that the party could call attention to it in a way that would really show that the party is doing some, some good thinking. How, how did you get involved in working with these strategies for voting? You say you're, you're very keen on it. Uh, well, so I'm a software engineer by trade, and uh, I read up on a lot of 
algorithms and nerdy stuff. And so even before I got into um, politically involved, before I knew about the American Solidarity Party, I was very uh, aware that our plurality voting system did not yield the results that people wanted. It, it was, it's a broken system that, uh, is, that strongly favors uh, a two, it's, it's a two-party system. Only two parties can succeed in a plurality voting system. It, uh, so in order for any third party to, to make any headway, the voting system really does need to change. A great many of uh, <clears throat> Solidarity potential supporters, I suspect, are now in the um, Democrats for Life caucus. Not that they're lifetime Democrats, but they're pro-life Democrats. And I imagine if we had some of them on, uh, on the air with us right now, they would say things like, well, we're going to have, as far as we can tell, forever and ever, uh, Democrats or Republicans. And so we don't want to be Republicans, and we really wish the Democrats would change. And it's better than nothing to have Democrats for life. But what we might want to say to them is, you don't have to, to hitch your wagon to either of the major parties, and, and why do it? Um, it's a constant complaint. Uh, Rhonda might not be familiar with this. It's a constant complaint uh, in ASP, Solidarity Party Communications, that <coughs> the Republicans have sucker-punched pro-life people. They let them have their say, but in fact ignore anything of substance once they are in power. And uh, a whole lot of people might say, look, uh, you don't want to be a Republican. That's fine. But you don't have to be a Democrat. And you don't have to uh, put yourself in this little Democrats for life uh, uh, bag because we can break through this either the Democrats or Republicans option. And, and this is one way we could begin to do so. I just thought of an analogy. How, what would you think of a Jew joining Hitler's party and being Hitler for Jews, Hitler the Hitler for Jews party? Mm. Yeah, there are some places where, what do they say? You don't want to go. No matter what, <laughs> no matter what. Now, this this is just a, a quick backtrack, but but I think a, a lot of listeners and a, a lot of just ordinary folks, uh, Desmond, don't know uh, uh, what an algorithm is. Could you just briefly tell us what an algorithm is? Sure, an algorithm is just a very detailed process for how something should be done. It's a very detailed procedure, so detailed that uh, a computer can do it. It doesn't necessarily need to be computer-related at all, but in, in writing software, that's, uh, we, we write code, uh, computer code, to implement algorithms, the detailed procedures, and um, it's just so, so people who teach basic. logic, people who teach logic know about truth tables and truth trees, right? Yeah. And those yeah. are algorithms, and we lots of times call them decision procedures. Yeah. You do this, and you do it right, and you get the right answer. That's correct, yes. So, I mean, an algorithm could be, be how to do... Um, long division or, or something like that. The individual steps, okay, we'll carry add the, the, the columns and carry from here to there, and that it's, it's very detailed. Yes. Well, we don't have all that much more time left, and this is just the first 
bullet. I, I want to go to the second bullet point, and I think it's something that many people will, will have some thoughts about. We approve, the party supports, reform of the redistricting process, reform of the redistricting process through independent and impartial agencies. We all of us know, even if we don't know about algorithms, we, we know about gerrymandering. And well, if, if you were to look at a map of Texas <coughs> uh, uh, or a map of California or, or a map of the greater Houston area or a map of the greater Los Angeles area, and you looked at the voting districts, you would think that Somebody had to do something unusual to get districts that look like this. And somebody did. Party leadership. Isn't that the case, Desmond? Yes. So uh, gerrymandering has been a huge problem in disenfranchising voters. It, it's drawing the, the lines of a district not for the benefit of the voters, but for the benefit of those that are already in power. Uh, currently, in most places, the, the lines are drawn by those in power so that they keep power. Back in 2010, California changed. Uh, prior to that, we had the gerrymandered districts that were just as bad as everywhere else. But in 2010, uh, the state came up with an independent uh, committee to, to draw lines, a Citizens Redistricting redist uh, Commission, and um, that independent commission redrew the lines not for the, the benefit of the people in power, but for the benefit of the citizenry. And at least in California now, uh, the districts are much, much more sensible. There are a few other states and localities that have done uh, similar redistricting commissions uh, run by citizens, and uh, the results have also been good. What we advocate is that this be applied everywhere. Uh, it, it just makes sense to reduce gerrymandering. I have a another semi-aside, but, but not wholly aside. Uh, Desmond has, has given us some insight into various ways of voting, uh, ranking voting, approval voting, range voting and the like. He's told us about algorithms. He's given us some specific background on, on California district drawing in comparison to gerrymandering that's very, very blatant. All of this analysis is painstaking. It involves reading studies and seeing what studies show. And I don't think anyone would take it to be exciting, and very, very few people would choose it as their hobby. Now, what's, what's, my, what's my connection here? Uh, St. Benedict, and we've sometimes spoken of the Benedict option, uh, says what? Ora et labora. Ora et labora. We began our discussion this morning with two prayers. Ora et labora. And, and work. Prayer can take the form of work. And those of us who have been teachers have not felt exalted as we've waded through mountains of student papers trying to make sense of them and, and, and ranking them and the like. Well, the work of nitty-gritty political thinking can become a prayer if it's seen as part of a larger process that leads to justice. And I, I think it's very easy to dismiss the nitty-gritty of politics, but that would be like dismissing on the part of a teacher the reading of student papers. You dismiss that and you're not a teacher. You dismiss oh, Okay, apropos. Work yeah, someone else to do. You. I just I just thought of an apropos. Okay, very vague. Is has anyone notified the USCB of this American Solidarity Party? Someone should should send information to them. 
United States Conference of Catholic Bishops? Right. Aha. Uh -huh. Well done. That's yeah, but I'm not in I'm not, you know, an officer in the party, but someone who is an officer in the party who can keep in touch should do that. Yes, our liaison. The Republicans yeah. and Democrats have liaisons, I'm sure. Right, right. Bishops. Uh, this is a small potatoes version of it, but I frequently recommended the party to uh, Angelus, which is the news service of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And every day people hear from Angelus. And uh, it's really the case that in California, the California Catholic Conference, while having its heart in the right place, oftentimes I think has in effect made their own lives too easy by joining every coalition that knocks on their door and that might be okay so long as they were up front and said we are in this coalition but let us not forget that XYZ members of the coalition habitually and aggressively attack Catholic teaching whenever they have the chance but instead the easy photo op yeah, so you're the, ideal the person, you're the ideal person to write this manifesto with the, with the literature on the Solidarity Party. You know, you can do it all by email, probably. Well, I, I do a lot of emailing, and, and on occasion, I hear back. <laughs> At any rate, we are now closing in on four minutes, so uh, for two minutes or three, uh, I want to ask Desmond, how are these things affecting your the particulars, the nitty-gritty, affecting your examination now of the pros and cons of uh, running for governor here in California? You're talking about these uh, specifics that we've talked about. Yes, uh, yes, yes. So uh, that, I, I understand that because of the state of our voting system and our gerrymandering, well, we're not gerrymandered anymore, but because of the, the, the way that our system has been set up to uh, favor the major party candidates over anyone else, I know that everyone else is at, all third party candidates, all the independents are at a major, major disadvantage. Um, that doesn't particularly have any bearing on my um, choice to run. I know that um, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to, it's, it's hard to say this because I don't want people to get the wrong impression, but I'm, I'm not going to win. Uh, but if I can introduce uh, new ideas and get people to understand the, the problem that our state faces and what the American Solidarity Party proposals can do to improve the situations, then it'll be a win-win and I'm setting us up for future elections where we will have better, uh, potentially more of a chance. You'll have a bully ballot opportunity. Mm -hmm. You might not get the pulpit but you'll get the ballot. Yes. The presence will be felt. Absolutely. Rhonda, we have two minutes. Can you sum things up in a non-manipulative but encouraging prayer? Okay. I thank you, Lord, for the presence of my dear brothers here, Desmond and Jim, who are so knowledgeable and willing to teach me and anyone who's listening more about this wonderful this wonderful initiative, the American Solidarity Party, and we hope that people will call in more. So Holy Spirit, inspire people to call in, to ask questions, and give courage to our leadership and our party members to continue in this pursuit. And uh, a coda, let us send up our poor prayer for the continued recovery of Bob Olson, who we understand now is up to dealing with emails. His strength has perhaps not returned to the level of Facebook presence, but he's up to dealing with emails. 
which ain't half bad when you're 85 and undergoing chemo. So we remember him in our prayers. God bless one and all. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.